Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, I'm Bob Main. Welcome to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. A practical show done by a practical guy. And that is me. This is episode 520 being released on Sunday, August 23rd, 2020. Thanks for tuning in. I am going to talk about handgun fit and feel in this episode. It's a it's a subject I talked about a couple of years ago with Paul Carlson from Safety Solutions Academy and I have been doing some experimenting lately. Um, actually for about the last six or seven months I've been doing some experimenting. So I want to share it with you. Because after all I am a practical guy. I am not ex law enforcement. I'm not ex military. I'm not a fancy gunsmith that makes custom guns and I'm not even a firearms industry insider I'm just a regular guy uh, and I'm just an ordinary person who takes their second amendment rights seriously probably like a lot of you that are listening to this podcast and uh, so let's get going here so I want to remind you this episode is sponsored by Concealment Solutions makers of fantastic holsters that's concealment solutions i have a lot of their holsters and i don't talk them up just because they're a sponsor Uh, i have been using their products long before they decided to become a sponsor of the handgun world podcast but you get 15 percent off because you are a handgun world podcast listener just use the coupon code handgun world one word handgun world for a 15% discount through August, through August 2020. If you're a Shooters Club member, if you sh- if you support this show uh, by being a Shooters Club member with an $8 a month or $75 a year membership, if you have a membership, you get 15% off through September 2020. You have to email me, and I'll give you the uh, coupon code. So. Shooters Club members, send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com, and get that code, and you can get 15% discount at Concealment Solutions all the way through September 2020. So, handgun fit and feel. There are a lot of people out there that are new gun owners, and I hope if you're a new gun owner, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you. I want to welcome all new gun owners. It's really good to see. It's good to see the record number of Nick's uh, firearms background check applications being done today. And, you know, regardless of what the anti-gunners tell you, 95% probably of all gun purchases, a background check is required. There are states that allow private sales. um, And, uh, you know, otherwise, if people go to a store, if they go to a gun show or whatever, or even if they buy it online for all you... Uh, anti-gunners, it's not possible to buy a gun online and have it shipped to your house. That's not possible, folks. And if you've been lied to by an anti-gunner, talking about how 
You can buy a gun off of the internet and have it sent to your house. Didn't President Obama one time say that uh, it's easier for a teenager to buy a Glock than it is to buy a book or something stupid like that? Anyway, I try not to get political on this show, but that stuff's just not true. I feel obligated to you, the listener, to tell you the truth. And so... You know, if I don't tell you the truth, then I feel like I'm doing a disservice. If you buy a gun on, inter- on the Internet, it's going to have to go to a federally licensed firearms dealer in your area. You can pick which dealer. You pay them the fee. They will do a background check on you before they sell you the gun. The gun will be the property of the federal firearms license holder first until you go there and get a background check done and pay the fee for them to do the paperwork. That's how that works over the Internet. Okay, handgun fit and feel. So welcome all new handgun owners, all new gun owners, even new rifle owners. I'll be talking about, I'm going to be talking about rifle fit and feel pretty soon. So I want to talk about length of pull. Length of pull, you hear a lot of shotgunners talk about that, the length of pull. Basically, uh, when, when shotgunners refer to length of pull, what they're talking about is the distance between their shoulder and the trigger, pretty much. If you measure that distance, what's the distance between the shoulder and the trigger? And, you know, young people normally have to have a shorter length of pull than adults. Well, when it comes to handguns, here's what I find. I'm going to tell you my experience and I'm going to tell you what I think is the experience of a lot of people. I just taught a private lesson last week for three people. By the way, I do private lessons now. So if you want one, let me know. And uh, even if I have to do a private lesson outside of my area in the great state of Texas, South Texas to be exact, San Antonio, the Alamo City, where I live. But even if I have to travel, uh, hey, if we can make the money right where... My expenses are covered, and I make a little bit of extra money for doing the lesson and things like that. Uh, I'll do it. Or private classes. Maybe you want to control who's going to be in the class. Let me know. Just send me an email, handgunworld at gmail.com, uh, and uh, I'll get you set up, and we'll we'll talk about it. So I did a private class, and the three gentlemen I had in my private class, they each had different needs for a handgun and one guy had a harder time pressing the trigger so I found out that he needs a gun with a shorter length of pull with a shorter trigger reach a shorter trigger reach and a slightly lighter trigger so I found out that 1911s are great for him because 1911s have a smooth relatively light crisp Trigger press, most decent 1911s. Um, the big disadvantage, of course, the reason why I don't carry a 1911 every day is uh, certainly not because of the trigger, because 1911s pretty much have the best triggers of any semi-automatic pistol, in my opinion. And I used to own a, a few real nice 1911s. But the thumb safety is what I don't like. But he didn't mind that. This guy didn't mind that. So how a handgun fits and feels are two different things. We're going to talk about fit, first of all. The 1911 fit him. Uh, Glocks fit another one of them that was there. Another uh, student in my uh, class. A SIG fit another student uh, in my class. It, It fit him just fine. 
So the length of pull, the distance between the back of the grip and the trigger. I'll give you an example. My M&P, um, I'm holding my M&P 2.0 9mm compact right now. And I got the 4-inch version of the 2.0. And uh, oh, just, just a fantastic gun. An absolutely fantastic gun. Straight out of the box. I mean, I just can't say enough good things about the M&P 9 2.0 version. Uh, it's got a shorter length of pull than any of my Glocks, okay? And it feels better than any of my Glocks. But guess what? I can shoot my Glocks faster. Now, I can't shoot my Glocks more accurately, but I can shoot them faster. And I'm not quite sure why that is. Uh, it could be because I have a lot of time behind the, the, the a Glock pistol. Because I've been shooting them for years and years and thousands and thousands of rounds. And I'd have to admit that I've shot my Glock pistol more than my M&P. But I'll tell you, um, the M&P fits me better. It fits me better. It fits me better than the Glock. It always has. 1911s, of course, fit my hands a lot better than a Glock. The new Sig P320s I've shot, they fit my hand better than a Glock. A lot of them out there fit my hand better than a Glock, but I can shoot the Glock faster and a little bit more accuracy with speed than any of my other pistols. Now, again, uh, part of it could be just simple practice that I've practiced and trained so much with Glocks. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that out there as part of the reason. But there's something about a Glock pistol I can control the recoil much easier on a Glock pistol. Now, I'm going to talk about my Glock pistols for a minute. I had a friend of mine that went competition shooting with me um, a couple weekends ago, and he came over and he brought a new Glock 17, and uh, he's modified the Glock 17 a lot. He's done a lot to it. But what he had on it is he had the back strap with a beaver tail put on it, and I think it was the medium size back strap with a beaver tail. Well, I've never done that with any of my Gen 4 or Gen 5 Glocks. Because I didn't feel like I need to. Because my hand fits on the grip. I'm doing it right now. My hand fits on the grip just fine. And I can reach the trigger just fine without the beaver tail backstrap. So I thought, well, maybe I don't need that. You know, so I've never really used it. However, um, when, I, when I dry fired my buddy's gun. Now, how many of you ever had this experience? You dry fire, dry fire somebody else's gun and you say, ooh, wow. Wow, that feels great. Okay, so when I dry fired his gun, he had the uh, the backstrap with the medium, um, the medium sized backstrap with a beaver tail, that felt a lot better. It felt a lot better than just me shooting a Glock with no extra backstrap. I actually have real long fingers and and medium to large size hands, so I have no problem. Matter of fact, it actually feels better for me. It makes the grip a little bit fatter and a little bit better for me. I can get more of both hands on the gun. I like to be able to get both hands on the gun. Some guns are too small for me. And when I say too small, here, here's, here's something about handgun fit I want to talk about. Some guns are too small for me. Like my Sig P365. I love the gun and I carry it a lot, but it's too small for me. Because when I put my shooting hand, my right hand, I'm a right-hander, when I put it on my P365, my fingers wrap around the whole grip. And so you know what I can't get my I can't get my left hand on the gun very easily because my left hand's pressing up against my fingers of my right hand. Um, I don't like that, and I can't ju I just can't get a real secure grip. 
So on my M&P, for example, I had to go to the medium-sized backstrap. And I may even have to go to the large size backstrap. I'm not sure. So that's one thing I really like about handguns that have multiple backstraps. And of course, the Gen 4 and Gen 5 Glocks do. Uh, almost all of them do now. But back in the day, like when I first started shooting semi-autos, I started shooting SIGs and Glocks from 10 years ago. Uh, they didn't have the interchangeable backstraps to where you could fit it to your hand. So I have to typically go larger with the backstrap. Some people have to go smaller or they have to shoot their gun with no backstrap whatsoever, no extra. Just go with the smallest one that came with the gun because their hands are smaller. Alright, so and, and what it does is it allows you to adjust the length of pull. Now, when you adjust the length of pull, you also it changes the leverage you have on the trigger. I noticed that. It changes the leverage that I have on the trigger. What do I mean by that? I'll put that in simple terms. Okay? For some reason, I can press the trigger more smoothly, more smoothly on my M&P because it's got a shorter length of pull, even with the medium-sized backstrap for me, and where the trigger breaks on the M&P. See, that's an important thing, too. Look at where does the trigger trigger break and how much pre-travel. Pre-travel, what does that mean? How far you pull the trigger, how far you press the trigger. I should say press because we don't pull triggers. We squeeze or press triggers, right? Have you ever noticed this? How much take-up, how much pre-travel is in that trigger before it breaks, okay? So I'm double-checking that I have an unloaded M&P. And that thing, I don't know if you heard that, that thing breaks pretty much towards the back of the trigger guard. And I like that. For me, that's good. It's kind of somewhat similar to a, a 1911 break. Now, I'm not saying the trigger on the 2.0 uh, M&P is, is like a 1911 trigger. It's not. Okay? The 2.0 triggers, by the way, are much better than the version 1 M&P triggers. But it breaks in about the same place as a 1911 does. At least, that's my perception. The Glock, however, it's unloaded, the Glock breaks a little more forward. And it has a little bit, it has a little bit harder take-up. Now, the M&P has a softer take-up. Okay, it's got a softer take-up, but it's longer. The Glock has a Shorter take-up, but it's harder. When I shoot like a, a SIG 320, I like the take-up on that and the trigger break on that. So while the guns like SIG 320s and M&Ps have a better trigger feel, they have a better trigger reach, they have a better length of pull for me, for some reason that I can't quite figure out yet, I can't control the recoil as much on M&Ps and SIGs and even uh, even XDs. I've shot XDs a lot. I can't control the recoil on them like I can control the recoil on Glocks. Not quite sure why that is. Um, and I've played around with, um, with uh, recoil spring weights and everything on my Glock. But controlling recoil is an important thing. It's very important. 
uh, it's very important. I seem to be able to get more grip on my Glock. When I say more grip, I, I get the grip fills my hand better because I've got relatively large hands and long fingers. So the grip fills my hand. Here's what I'm finding out when it, when you talk about fit and feel of guns. I'm figuring out, at least for me, a gun that fills my hand better and has a relatively short trigger reach is the best for me. So, uh, I did not like the Apex trigger that I had in my M&P 2.0. I just I had it for a long time. I didn't like it because it was a forward set sear. It was forward set and it and it broke the trigger broke. In other words, the gun fired. The trigger was too far forward for me. I like it, you know. So that's why I think I think 1911s. Of course, they got the ultimate trigger. It's the absolute best. But it's just that darn thumb safety that I've never trained myself to get real good at it. Not you know. Again, it takes thousands and thousands of rounds, in my opinion. So I've learned that. I mean, now my M&P right now has got about a 2,000 round trigger job. And you guys know I've always been, over the years, I've been doing this podcast 11 years now. I've always been a huge fan of giving your gun a thousand round trigger job. I've said that for a long time. Thousand round trigger job. Even with today's ammo prices. Run a thousand rounds through that gun before you make any modification, modifications. Especially the trigger. So I got about 2,000 rounds through this M&P. And by the way, 2,000 rounds through this M&P and hundreds and hundreds of draws and reholsters in and out of the holster. This thing still looks like almost a brand new gun. I mean, these things are durable. Uh, you know, I just, I can't say good enough things about Smith & Wesson M&P pistols. Um, I think they're winners. I actually think, I, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this, probably something you guys never thought I would ever say. I think out of the box... The M&P 2.0s are better guns than Glocks. They are. Uh, and I think they're every bit as good as a Sig P320. Just my personal opinion here. I'm going to share some personal opinion. Now, that doesn't mean that because they're a better gun out of the box, doesn't mean that me, Bob Main, doesn't mean I can shoot them better. So there's a big difference between how a gun fits and feels and how you can shoot it. A lot of people will buy a gun because, oh, it fits and feels them so nice at the gun shop, right? And, uh, but, th- but, they're n- but they're never able to master the shooting the gun. Because everybody has different hand size, different arm strengths, different wrist strengths. As, as I learned in the private lesson I taught last week, people even have different levels of finger strength. Some can press the trigger with more force and more leverage than others. So it really makes a big difference uh, what you buy. And this is why I'm a big proponent, a huge proponent of try before you buy. Go to a range that rents a lot of guns. I don't even care if they're charging you 15 or $20 each gun to rent. It is worth it. Rent five or six Oh, no, Bob, that means I'm going to drop $150 renting guns plus the ammo cost. Yes, you might spend $150 renting guns plus the ammo. But you know what? 
I think that $150 or whatever it is that you spend renting guns is going to be money extremely well spent because you're less likely to make a mistake when you buy a handgun if you can go rent them. Would you agree? Or find a good friend that owns a gun that you're interested in and go to the range with him or her and shoot and shoot that gun. And don't just run one magazine through it. Don't be a cheapskate. Buy the ammo. Buy a couple boxes of ammo. Tip your friend or buy your friend lunch or whatever um, for letting you use his or her gun and shoot that thing. Shoot that thing a hundred rounds. And then and then find another gun you're interested and shoot that thing a hundred rounds. And keep on going. Um, so uh, I've learned that even though a gun fits me better... Like my M&P, it fits me better. And I think out of the box, it's a better gun than a Glock for a lot of reasons. I still shoot the Glocks better. I don't know why. I don't know why that is. I really don't know why that is. And I'm talking about stock guns. I'm not talking about modified guns. I'm talking about stock straight out of the box. Now, I have to be fair in what I'm saying because I believe in being fair. I probably I probably should dedicate an entire year to shooting my M&P 2.0. I've never done that. Never shot it every time I go shooting for one year. I probably should do that until next August 2021. It's probably what I should do. And then redo this episode and, and make the comparison between the M&P and the Glock, how I shoot them. Okay, I've never been able to, for some reason, I've never been able to warm up to the Sig P320s. Um, I, I'm not quite sure, because those are extremely, insanely popular guns. Everybody wants a 320, especially a, a, a P320X carry, or X compact. Terrific guns. I've just never been able to uh, warm up to them and, and, uh, and like them all that much. I'm not quite sure why but I probably should dedicate a year and I'm talking about open sight shooting not red dot not red dot um, and sp- by the way I'm gonna say something about that too um, because one of my next purchases might be a p365 XL now sig has an absolute winner with the p365 series the p365 and the 365 XL now that they've been out for well over two years maybe three years now has it been um, I think the reliability issues are gone with those guns, and they've got absolute winners. Uh, when it comes to small guns, small, especially like the small 9 millimeters, the guns that I've found to be the absolute best for me, and I've tried a lot of them, would be either the Smith & Wesson Shield 9 millimeter or the SIG P365XL. I got a chance to shoot the 365 a lot. Ben and I made a video about it. You can find our video channel at modernhandgunners.com uh, or Modern Handgunners on YouTube. And you can also go to the Handgun World YouTube channel and you can see the video there. Ben and I at the range, we did a side-by-side shooting comparison of the P365XL and the P365. I will link to both of those videos uh, in the show notes for this episode. So I really took a liking to the P365XL. But when it comes to small guns, I think the two best shooting 
still I think the shield is as good or even slightly better shooting than the P365 series but both are fantastic but it shoots better than in my opinion better than the small Glocks better than the small little Rugers because I've shot a lot of those little small nine millimeters um, I even got a chance to shoot the Hellcat, the Springfield Hellcat, a private lesson last week. One of my students brought one of those. That's a fantastic gun. Uh, that thing shot well. And his had a red dot on it. And it shot very well. Uh, i got to give a lot of praise to the Springfield Hellcat. I don't know much about the reliability of it. If some of you have some reliability stories, one way or another, about the Springfield Hellcat, uh, call in a voicemail, 210-646-1727. Uh, or uh, an email, handgunworld at gmail.com. Um, the small Glocks for me just don't, they're just much more difficult to shoot. And my car PM9, much more difficult to shoot uh, than, than some of today's small f- pistols by Springfield and Sig and Smith and Wesson. So that's my two cents. Now, uh, if you have any comments about that, I'd like to I'd like to hear them. Call in a voicemail two one zero six four six seventeen twenty seven or email handgunworld at gmail dot com. Now let's talk about last week's episode. Last week's episode with Greg Nichols from Suarez International. First of all, again, I want to thank Greg one more time. I want to thank him for his time. I got mixed reviews, mostly good reviews. Most people had a, had a lot of good things to say about Greg's interview with me. I'm going to do a, a part two. Uh, I had one person uh, said that they wanted to have more detail on the legalities of using your gun if you're in a riot situation and you're attacked by a mob. Um, I just want to say I did not ask Greg to get into legal uh, questions. And that might not even be his area of expertise. So I may reach out to some other people I know that may have more of an expertise on the legalities of when and how you can use your gun if you're attacked by a mob or you're in that situation. Okay? But again, thanks uh, for, for Greg Nichols. Thank you, to Greg, for your time and your effort. And folks, I, I always very much appreciate it when somebody donates their time because time is an asset you can not get back. So, let me shift gears again. Let's get into the uh, modern survival common sense prepping part of this episode. Uh, I used to do this every episode in the past year or so. I kind of got away from it. I had a listener say, Bob, can you get back into talking to, to about modern survival? Yes, I can. And yes, I'd be happy to. Doing what you can with what you have, wherever you are, as Teddy Roosevelt once said. So, Let's um, let's talk about that. I have been trying to work on being a minimalist lately, a minimalist, and uh, you know, for me, for me, the minimalist uh, philosophy, it works better. And uh, there's there's a couple of great podcasters, the minimalists, and um, Josh, I think, is one of them. I can't remember the other guy's name. Uh, they're very good. Josh and Ryan, that's who they are. Joshua Milburn, I believe, and Ryan Nicodemus, and so. Those guys are great, and uh, you know they're all about doing more with less, and that having less and having to worry about less is actually a great thing. And I've been, I've been learning that they're right because 
the less I have to worry about, the less stress it creates, and the more fulfilling that, that my life and my family's life becomes. The less that we have to worry about. So what I'm going to talk about in this episode is um, some ideas about taking the worry out of your life, taking the stress, taking the complications out of your life. COVID-19 has made our life difficult enough. Um, the politics of today and the riots and the mobs and the things that have been going on in politics and in the news and stuff can just stress you out to the max. Um, I'm going to say something that's difficult for me, but I'm going to be honest, it's difficult for me, but it's it's hard for me to not watch the news. It is. I've always been kind of a news junkie. And uh, I try not to get real political on this show because there's a lot of places where you can go and argue politics. I don't want to argue politics on this show, but I just, I love the news. But I have been learning that the less I watch the news, the less stress that I get in life. Same thing with my job. I don't want you to think I'm not taking my job seriously. I gave a presentation about a year ago when I went to a, a corporate sales meeting, a national sales meeting, and we were all, last year, we were all asked to, uh, asked to get up and do about a 15 or 20 minute presentation about ourselves, our sales territory, our goals, results, and things like that. And I started out by telling my cancer story and what I had to go through to fight and survive stage four cancer and the story about what my wife, my first wife, and, and, and what I had to go through with her for four years and she didn't survive. And when I told those stories to to my peers, my coworkers, uh, they, there was a lot of silence in the room. And I said, you know, folks, that's big stuff. That's big stuff, fighting stage four cancer, uh, a wife that uh, got ALS and passed on after four years. That's big stuff. So I said, folks, you know, I've been through the big stuff. I've been through the big, stressful stuff. Forgive me if for the rest of my presentation here about my sales career with this company, forgive me if I talk about the small stuff because it's really just small stuff. And folks, you got to remember what is small stuff in your life. Um, that comment I made got a great response and a great reception from the audience of my coworkers that day a year ago. And um, the rest of my pre presentation went fantastic as well. Of course, seven years of public speaking experience has helped me. Um, seven years of public speaking in person long before I started doing the Handgun World podcast. And maybe some of you wonder why why you know, I sound pretty decent on the radio. It's because I had a lot of experience speaking and talking and sales and things like that for many years, 32 years now. But I did it publicly. I did, I did two speeches a day for seven years, five days a week. That's a lot. Add that up. It's a lot of people that I talk to. You know, an average of probably 12 to 15 in each meeting, two times a day, five days a week, seven years. It's a lot of practice doing that. But I learned a long time ago, eliminating the stressors. And the more complicated you make your life, the more stressful it can and probably will become. Simplicity is the key when I retire and decide that, well, I got to say, I got to say first of all, um, when you find a job you like and you love to do, 
you'll never work a day in your life. Right? You ever heard that said before? When you find a a job that you love to do and you enjoy and you look forward to it, you'll never work a day in your life. So I, I I found this type of career back when I was 26. I found this type of career that I enjoy and love and I get up every day and I look forward to doing what I do. I've done it for several different companies, but I still look forward because I love it. It's great. Um, what I do here on the Handgun World podcast and training classes and things like that—that's my side hustle. These are this is my side hustle, but my uh, my primary profession is what I love to do. So I haven't worked. I haven't worked a day since I was 26, if you want to look at it that way. But when I decide to actually retire and not work full time anymore. Uh, I'm going to really seriously, my family and I are going to simplify our life a lot. Simplify. We've been talking about it already. We're going to do that. And so my wife today and uh, my stepkids and my son, we've all talked about simplifying our life so that there's not nearly as much stress involved in it. And it really makes life a lot more fulfilling. And it's a survival skill. It's a survival skill because stress is a huge killer and it's a huge hindrance to what you want to do. And the less stress you can have, and I've noticed that things, things, the pursuit of things, the pursuit of financial goals and things like that can be very stressful. Now, you guys know I'm a huge Dave Ramsey fan, so I don't want you to think that I'm not trying to be financially responsible like Dave Ramsey. I am. I am all the time. But I don't focus on that all the time. Uh, Simplifying. So I'm going to talk about simplifying your life. Uh, Maybe for you gun owners, it might be, you know, not quite trying to master so many guns. Why don't you just learn to master one gun right now? Those of you who have the survival mindset because maybe COVID-19 woke you up. Uh, September 11th woke me up. Made me want to prepare more in my life. Maybe now COVID-19 has woken you up start with just one prepping skill maybe it's storing more food maybe it's having some more tools maybe it is more guns or more ammunition okay maybe it is an emergency fund but just start with one don't pick three or four or five goals all at one time that's a piece of advice that I want to give you pick one goal and it might take you a year year and a half two years to get to that goal um you know, I mean, it took me a long time to build my three-month emergency fund. My three-month emergency fund, which is three months of expenses saved up in the bank in case in case something like COVID puts you out of a job. Now, it didn't put me out of a job. Thank God. Thank God. Thank you for blessing me, Lord. I did not lose my job during this COVID crisis, and I still have it. Unfortunately, millions of other people did. And I pray for them. I feel sorry for them. And um, I, I really wish that all of them can get back to work as soon as possible or find a career that they can transition to that will put them back into earning a paycheck because I am, I am so glad and fortunate and blessed. And only by the grace of God did I keep my job and my company. I had, you know, they, they did decide to be more, my employer decided to be more fiscally responsible but Bob Maine was not one that became a victim of their fiscal 
responsibility. Thank God. Most you guys know I'm a I'm I'm a, I'm a huge man of faith. I'm a strong Christian. I'm a born again Christian. I believe in that. If you don't, that's okay. I'm not saying that. You know, I don't value you as a listener, and I'm not even saying that you have to believe my way or that you're not a good person. I'm not saying that. Now, I pray, I pray that you'll you'll accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Um, but I understand some people don't believe like I do, and that's okay. But I, uh, I I've I've learned to simplify my life, and that's that's really important right now. So that's the that, that's the survival skill or the mentality that I want to talk about in this episode, and that is simplification. Um, I just think it's a, it's easier to master things when you simplify them, and when you when you don't have a scattered focus. Uh, you know, about six months ago, time was a major goal. I wanted to create more time for myself, and I was running myself real thin. Uh, I want to start doing today's survival show again. Many of you started listening to me back when I started in 2009. Also, today's survival show about modern modern prepping and survival. I want to start that again, but that means doing two podcasts, and I'm going to have to figure out how not to let that stress me out uh, every week because one podcast is hard. For any of you listening to this right now, and you're a podcaster, I think you know what I mean. Uh, getting one show out every week. I don't know how some people do it one show every day. I don't know how they do that. I mean, that's amazing. I, you know, I've For a while there, you guys know I was doing it twice a month, every two weeks. Uh, but I also, for many, many years, did it every week. And I'm back to doing it every week. I, I've learned to manage my time a little bit better and simplify things so that I can do one show every week. And if I if I add another podcast back in there, I want to do it, and I'm probably going to do it, but I'm probably going to do it in a little bit of a different way than what I did before, and I might start off slow. I might put that show out only once a month and gradually work up to doing today's survival show once a week and just keep on doing right here at the Handgun World podcast once a week. But I give some free advertising to the minimalists. They have a great show. They don't know me. I've been listening to them. And I just have to say I've been able to get a lot out of their show. And they talk about a lot about what things bring you joy in your life. What things give you value, bring you joy, bring you pleasure. What activities bring you joy, bring, your ple- bring you pleasure. Focus on only those things. And so this would be a good way for me to close this episode. I'm going to close it with Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. There's a lot of wisdom in that, and I'll put that in the show notes for you if you want to read that and absorb that a little bit more. How can you make your life more simple? How can you become more of a of a minimalist? Examine your life and yourself, and uh, you know, do you have too much stuff? Are you concentrating on too much stuff? Um, are, are there some things that you could? sell that you don't use, don't enjoy anymore, and you can get the money, and you can put that money to things that 
bring you more value and more pleasure. Hmm. Think about that. That's my survival tip for this episode. Folks, I'm Bob Main. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. This is a practical show done by a practical guy, and that is me. Remember, the loudest sound that a shooter hears is a bang when he's expecting a click, or a click when he's expecting a bang. Shoot straight, shoot safe, read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye. Okay, I guess I can't let this episode end without talking about the classes that I've got coming up with Ben Branham. We're teaching Beyond Concealed Carry in San Antonio, September 19th and 20th. And uh, we only have four spots left. Beyond Concealed Carry, September 19th and 20th. Come train with us if you're within relatively close distance of San Antonio, Texas. If you are in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, we had to change that date to November 14th and 15th. I'm sorry, what am I saying? Uh, Wait, yes it is. November 14th and 15th. Saturday and Sunday, November 14th and 15th. The old date was November 7th and 8th. It's now November 14th and 15th, Beyond Concealed Carry in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You can check those both out at handgunworld.com. That's handgunworld.com. Please remember to join the Shooters Club. You can access over 80 quality videos, exclusive content. Exclusive content that Ben Branham and I do not publish anywhere else. ShootersClubMembers.com. ShootersClubMembers.com. $8 a month or $75 a year. We would appreciate your support either as a member of the Shooters Club or at one of our classes. Thank you. Well, yeah, it's getting tough out there. Yeah, no doubt. I work in home invasions mostly. Uh, Some murder. Uh, occasional rape, uh, and I'm a huge advocate of gun control. Absolutely, uh, competition is stiff, and it it doesn't help that every time I kick in a door or smash a window, that I face the possibility of being shot and killed. Listen, the fact is, allowing citizens to own guns creates a hostile work environment for me and my associates. Uh, no one should have to work under under those conditions. Uh, I say make them all illegal. Absolutely. Make all gun ownership illegal. I mean, I break the law for a living. I'm a professional, so it doesn't really bother me. <clears throat> I mean, but personally, knowing that most homeowners don't have guns, uh, that would make me a lot more comfortable, uh, more confident, and it would surely increase productivity, no doubt. No doubt. Your local violent criminals work hard and put their lives on the line every time they attempt to murder, rape, abduct, or assault a member of the citizenry. They desperately need your help. With your support, there may finally come a day when a violent criminal can have his way with you or someone you love without the fear, anxiety, and stress caused by knowing there's a possibility his victim might be armed. Please show your support by voting for stronger anti-gun legislation because criminals prefer unarmed citizens.